Good evening. This is Talking Sports with Evan. I am Evan with Tallison. And uh, good to bring you a show here today. MLB draft coming up. Uh, it's coming up in uh, less than a week on Sunday. And the Brewers with the 18th pick in the draft. And going to be talking about mostly that here on tonight's show. And I am Joe. I'm going to bring him in now by special guest Dan Zielinski third, who... Uh, is a MLB draft expert. His information is going to be at the bottom of the screen. If you want to check out his Twitter account or his uh, publication, you can find it there at the bottom of the screen. And uh, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, try to make it a yearly thing, but I know we've missed a couple years here and there during the course of my podcast, either with my old podcast partner or solo. But thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, Evan. It's always good to catch up and uh, talk some Brewers and draft with you. Yeah, and we're going to start with Brewers first. The Brewers playing the Cubs as we speak right now, and I thought I just got an alert that Contreras just did something. Yep, he just tied the game with a single to make it one-to-one. The Brewers are... I don't even know what word I want to use this season. (laughs) They have been up and down, a hot start to the season, been playing average to below average baseball since then trade deadline coming up what are your general thoughts on this year's milwaukee brewer club for me it's kind of what i expected i didn't have high expectations for the milwaukee brewers going into this season i thought they could compete for the division i knew the division going into the year wasn't very strong but the amount of injuries the brewers have had has been a little bit surprising corbin burns also hasn't been as sharp and it just seems like Top to bottom, this team, frankly, is not very good. I think, if anything, we expected it from the offense. I don't know if we expected it necessarily from the pitching, but when you have guys like Burns getting banged up, Woodruff out for extended period of time, Lauer not being able to have success. I mean, Peralta, too, he hasn't been very good or consistent. It's hard to win games when you're starting pitching, when that's the strength of your team, is not performing up to expectations. And it's two years in a row that the starting pitching has not been pitching up to expectations. Three years ago, when they made the playoffs and lost to the Braves in the first round, when they had the best, I think they had the, uh, one of the top records of the National League, then they lose, lose to the Braves. Pitching was dominant that year. I think they only, they, they think they led baseball in uh, pitchers use that year. They think they only had to use like six pitcher, starting pitchers that year, which is pretty uncommon. And then the last two years, Corbin Burns, the only pitcher two years ago um, now to not see any time. Well, I should say last year should not did not see any time on the injured list. And this year, I think him and Peralta have been the only two that have not had any time on the injured list this year. And the sixth inning seems to be their 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 problem. They seem to hit a wall in the sixth inning. Um, Batting-wise, they sent Rowdy to the IL today for forearm inflammation a.k.a. we can't DFA him, we need to give him a break, let's put him on the I.L. is probably more what it's like. They wouldn't tell you that because you can't – baseball would frown upon that, but I don't think he's legitimately injured. Um, do you see this team being able to make any moves um, at the deadline to try to push um, for that put uh, for the division with the Reds are red hot right now? And do you see them making a push or do you see them kind of standing pat? I know last year – selling at the deadline when they moved haters surprised everybody yeah that's a great question i mean 
I go back and forth on this because what can you really do to improve this team to make it a World Series contender? You would have to overhaul this roster. That's something they're just (laughs) – Yeah, I mean, I just don't see this team winning a World Series. So is it worth trading some quality prospects for a rental or for – to just try to win the division. I don't know if it's really necessarily worth that. On the other side, this is kind of your last window here before you head into a rebuild either this offseason or the following offseason. So maybe you look at it as a way of let's get into the playoffs and see what happens, see if we can stay healthy, see if Corbin Burns can pitch like the Cy Young. We know he can be. Let's see if Woodruff comes back and can perform. So it's going to be interesting to see. I tend to say hold on to the prospects and kind of let things play out how they are. The division's extremely weak. I think the Brewers have the pieces if they can get hot to win it still. And we go from there, and then this offseason becomes really interesting after the season ends. So in the field, Joey Weimer and Bryce Terang have been, as advertised, very good defenders. But their bat just not really seeming to be able to hit uh, big league pitching right now can you what can you say right now to kind of reassure brewer fans that they just need to be patient with those two or are they just going to struggle to hit at the big league level i think they're going to struggle to hit at the big league level i think when those guys were always coming up even garrett mitchell to some extent in that same boat i i thought they were good prospects i didn't think they were impactful prospects guys you could count on to be difference makers at the major league level i think looking at terang and weimer both guys weimer i think can give you more offensively he's just not consistent enough and sometimes strikes out a little too much whereas terang really he isn't an impact hitter he gets on base from time to time but he's not going to do a ton of damage either I think they kind of are what they are I know they're still younger guys but even when going through the minor league system both of them had their flaws at the plate and that's kind of continued here since they got to the major league level and the big one everybody is clamoring for and they want to see how quickly he can climb that ladder is a 19 year old Jackson Churio 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 outfielder um is he do you you envision him being what you are seeing in the in the minor leagues where he just seems to be a different potential difference maker or are we kind of setting the bar a little too high for him no I think he can be a difference maker he's one of the top prospects in baseball he has five tool potential and definitely could be that next superstar for the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't know. It's been a while since they had this high level of a prospect. Been quite a few years, actually, since they had one of the best prospects in baseball. I think looking at him overall, the one thing you want to see improvement with is his swing and miss. But otherwise, he can impact the ball. He can make so many, so much of an impact in so many ways that it's hard not to be excited about Jackson Chirio, especially with the way the Brewers kind of have developed prospects or struggled to develop prospects in recent years to now finally have a guy of this caliber, something exciting. He just brings so much to the table, whether it's his elite speed, his defense, his ability to handle center field. I just think you have the chance to have a complete player here. The Brewers aren't going to rush him. He's not going to be in Milwaukee this year, probably next year. But 
someone to get excited about in the future for sure. And then last year's draft in the second round, they took a guy who's really climbing the charts right now, 21-year-old Jacob Mizorowski, right-handed pitcher, 6'7", and he's now at High A Wisconsin. Um, ETA on one of the sites I saw is 2026, major league uh, being in the majors. What are your thoughts on him, and does that seem like an accurate timeline, or you think you might see him quicker than that? I would like to think we could see him quicker than that. I would say 2024, maybe 2025. But, I mean, he is a guy that has had a lot of success already in the minor leagues. He's improved his control and command of his pitches and has really just dominated at every level he's been at so far. A lot to like with him. Has the potential to be a future ace of a rotation. 6'7", 190 pounds. Above average fastball, really good slider, also mixes in a quality curveball too. And the Brewers, when they got him last year, they paid him above slot. They paid him $2.35 million, which is a good chunk of change for a second-round pick. And it all had to do with the Brewers' analytic department and how they viewed Mizorowski in their pitching development system. And I think there's a lot to like here. I think – between Chirio, Mizorowski, Sal Freelich, Tyler Black, who's another former first-round pick for the Brewers, having some success at AA this year. I think the next wave has some promising players coming in the next few years for the mm-hmm. Brewers, and Mizorowski is definitely the, the team's best pitching prospect and definitely has the highest ceiling out of any pitcher in the system and one of the highest ceilings out of all players in their system. And looking at AAA right now, and somebody not named Sal Freelich, so I do think we see Freelich at the major league level at some point this season. Other than Freelich, anyone at AAA that we should be expecting potentially coming onto the roster at some point between now and the end of the season? And when I say uh, guys at AAA, you know, obviously Luis Urias will be back at the major league level eventually. Um, Keston Hero might be back at the major league level eventually, depending on um, Ruddy Telez and that. So who do you see other than Sal Freelich that could contribute at, uh, at the major league level this year? Yeah, I think the first one we look at right away is a guy they got back in that Josh Hader trade, and that's Robert Gasser, the left-handed pitcher, starting pitcher that they traded for. He's a guy who had some promise coming out of college, was an early-round pick by the Padres, and someone I'm kind of actually surprised we haven't seen already in the major leagues. Really kind of a well-rounded pitcher, someone who slots in probably as a number two, number three type pitcher in the major leagues, but he's pitching really well in Nashville. He's got a 3.94 ERA, doing a nice job limiting his walks, has more than his strikeout in inning. And to me, with the Brewers' struggles – from the pitching side, I'm surprised they haven't called him up because I think he's someone that really has nothing left to prove anymore at the minor leagues and someone that could potentially impact this team moving forward. So I would keep an eye out for Robert Gasser, who is the team's second-best pitching prospect right now. And then moving to the draft this year, the Brewers picking 18th. This is the first draft where they have the um, the lottery so they, like like the NHL, like the NBA, as a way to curb tanking, 
which I I get why teams are tanking baseball, but it's just one of those sports where it you know tanking doesn't make a lot of sense because in hockey and the NBA, if you get that first round pick, number one pick in the draft, you're likely getting somebody. Let's say you know you tank in 2023, you're going to get a 2022. You're going to get somebody in 2023 that's going to help you right now. Where baseball, you might have to wait a couple of years. But they're going to the draft lottery. What are your thoughts on the draft lottery? Overall, I like it. I think it's a good system to have. There's a lot of rules behind it and how you can't pick so high so many years in a row, things like that. And that's stuff that we'll start kind of looking at more as the draft lottery goes on. But just broad kind of overview of it, I think it's good for baseball. I think it adds more intrigue to the draft. That's one thing baseball has tried to do is kind of build the draft up and make it more of a spectacle for fans. It's a little bit harder with the Major League Baseball draft to get excited about it because you're not seeing these guys for two, three, four years in most cases. So, But Major League Baseball has done a nice job. They put it on All-Star Weekend. They've done the draft lottery to kind of add some excitement. So overall, I think it's good. It's going to be fun to kind of watch teams who don't make the playoffs see where they end up the twins were one of those teams that they were had the odds to get like the 11th or 12th pick can't remember the exact number but right around there they ended up jumping up to fifth in this year's draft so add a little bit of excitement there kind of also then spread out the talent and wealth it doesn't necessarily go to the team coming in last place every single year, like the athletics or someone like that. So I think it's ultimately going to benefit baseball and be something good and exciting to help the draft. And this year's last year's draft um, looked like high school players kind of dominated the first uh, few picks in the draft. And then after that, there were a bunch of uh, college kids that went fairly quickly. I think Jacob Barry from Miami was the first traditional college kid to go for out of LSU I know there's two two players from LSU that are expected to go fairly early this year. Is this going to be a college-heavy draft, do you think, or is it going to be a, a, a high-school-heavy draft or kind of uh, in the middle? Early on, I mean, I think it's going to be pretty college-heavy. Overall, since COVID, we've seen more and more high-level high school guys make it to college, which ultimately then helps their – be better draft talent in terms of the college ranks when those guys come back around and are draft eligible again. And just looking at the top in this year's draft class, we have the chance to see two teammates go one and two for, I want to say the first time ever in MLB draft history and Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz. Paul Skeens is the big right-hander, 6'6", 235-pound potential A's, maybe the best pitching prospect in at least 10 years in the draft where Dylan Cruz is a guy that entered the year as a favorite to go one, one he's been on scouts radar since he was 15, 16 years old, had a chance to be a first round pick coming out of high school in Florida opted to go to LSU instead where he's only continued to perform at an elite level and kind of continue to keep his draft stock high. I really like Dylan Cruz. I think he's probably the safest player in this year's draft class, a five tool player who's going to play center field he's proven that this spring that he can handle center field long term so i really like dylan cruz paul Skeens, really good pitcher 
potential ace, has an elite fastball slider combination. I'd like to see his changeup get a little better and improve in that area. But either way, I think early on in this year's draft, you're going to see a lot of college guys. There are two prep high school outfielders, Walker Jenkins and Max Clark, who also are in that top five mix and probably will go top five. But besides that, we'll see a lot of college guys going early. And I saw an article on Bleacher Report where they're talking about this could be uh, one of the deeper draft classes we've seen in a while. They're Keith Law, the Athletic, and Carlos Colazzo of Baseball America are kind of comparing it to the 2011 draft, which gave us Garrett Cole, Francisco Lindor, Javi Baez, Sonny Gray, um, Anthony Rendon. Do you see this draft as being this talented as they do, or um, and why? Like, what is it about this year's draft class that makes it so talented? Yeah, I do. I think it's one of the deeper classes in at least the last five years. Definitely deeper than last year's. A lot more high-end talent. I think looking at this year's draft class, you can easily make a case for three guys to be potentially the number one pick, and you could even throw in a Max Clark or even a Walker Jenkins for that matter at the one, one spot. I think when we look at this year's draft class, we've got a tier of five guys between Paul Skeens, Dylan Cruz, Wyatt Langford, who's the center fielder outfielder from Florida. And then the two prep guys in Walker Jenkins and Max Clark. And that group is really good. And then after that, you even have, some really good college players, and even some really good high school guys too. So I do think this draft class is really strong. I think there's a lot of guys that are going to impact an organization within the next couple of years and ultimately have a lot of success. We'll see long-term if it's as good as a 2011 class. Time will tell. But on paper, it looks really good with a lot of guys having the chance to be impactful players down the road. And leads us to my next question, talking about the de- how deep this class is. Milwaukee Brewers selecting 18th in the first round and then 33rd in the competitive balance round. Um, who are some players, uh, if you're a Brewer fan, um, we should be kind of paying attention to in this year's MLB draft as guys that could go 18th or uh, 33rd? So first, just kind of giving an overview of what the Brewers have done lately. They prefer their draft philosophy is up the middle position players. They like college guys more than they like prep guys. They haven't drafted a high school guy in the first round since Bryce Terang in 2018. They haven't taken a pitcher in the first round since Ethan Small one year later. So the Brewers really like college guys and college position players to be specific. And throughout this entire draft cycle, I've really heard them connected to those college position players. So really, I think that's where they're going to go in the first round. And we will see. It kind of depends, obviously, when you're picking 18th, how the board shakes out. But right now, they've been tied to a lot of college position players. One guy looking specifically is Jacob Wilson, a shortstop from Grand Canyon. I don't want to spend too much time on him, but he's a guy that's one of the top 10 players in this year's draft class but he's a guy that in the last week people have thought could slide down draft boards and potentially be available for the brewers he's jack wilson's son the former major league shortstop and really had a good career at grand canyon overall contact first player who's probably going to be able to stick at shortstop long term 
His biggest flaw is he just doesn't impact the baseball enough. And there's always a college player. There's always a player that usually falls in the first round. And people think Jacob Wilson could be that guy. We'll see. He could be on the board for the Brewers, or he could be a top 10 pick. He's kind of a wild card. But a couple other names that definitely are going to be kind of in that Brewers range going in the teens. First one is Tommy Troy, the shortstop from Stanford. He has experience playing second, shortstop, third base, left field, and right field at Stanford. Very versatile, kind of an offensive first guy who profiles probably best as an offensive first, second baseman. 5'10", 197-pound right-handed hitter, makes consistent hard contact, has pretty good play discipline, doesn't swing out of the zone a lot, and uses all fields when it comes to hitting and has ability to hit for average and power defensively he's athletic with a strong arm still think he profiles probably best at second base but he's a guy that kind of fits the brewers mold and could be on the board there matt shaw the shortstop from maryland is someone i really like too he's one of the better hitters in college baseball right-handed hitter who can hit for average and power isn't a flashy player by any means but really just gets the job done ability to hit for average and power as well also has really good play discipline, 5'11", 185, 185 pounds. I think he could stick at shortstop long-term, but he might have to move off that position, maybe to third base. But either way, another guy with a lot of versatility, which the Brewers value too, with his experience playing second, short, third, and left at Maryland. So someone I think the Brewers definitely have interest in or know they have interest in. And then looking at a few other guys, um, going kind of off their demographic of up the middle because of where they're picking this year, just because of the way the draft is going to shape out, they could end up going a college corner player. Nolan Shanowell, the first baseman outfielder from Florida Atlantic. He's one of the best hitters in college baseball this year. Hit 447 with 18 doubles, four triples, 19 home runs, 64 RBIs. He also stole 14 bases and 289 plate appearances. And I mentioned the plate appearances because he had 71 walks to 14 strikeouts. So exceptional plate discipline. I know he was playing at the mid-major level, but this guy can hit and just tool set. He's well-rounded, really extremely talented offensively too. Left-handed hitter who's 6'3", 195 pounds, and usually when I'm evaluating these draft guys, I tend to stay away from first baseman. I just don't think the value's there, especially in the first round. But Sean Owell is a guy who pretty much played first base at FAU out of necessity. When he first came in, that was his opportunity to get on the field. And then this year, he figured to play a corner outfield spot, which is where he played in high school. And due to an injury or some need for FAU, had to play first base, but Sean Owell wants to play a corner outfield spot. I think he can handle it, and his bat is going to play in professional ball, and I think he could end up being one of the biggest steals in this year's draft class. Now, you mentioned first base not really being worth the value. Is that kind of the the running back position in the NFL draft where people don't tend to want to take running back early because you can get him anywhere else in the draft? Is that kind of what first base has become in the MLB draft? 
it it comes down to the team because we've seen first baseman go early. Spencer Torkelson a couple of years ago was the first overall pick by the Tigers. Granted, they announced him as a third baseman, but he was always a first baseman. That's where he's played since he made it to the major leagues. You mentioned Jacob Berry from last year. He was another one of those first basemen. But so it comes down to kind of team philosophy. But for me personally, I just it is kind of like the running back position to me. I just don't see the value in it. I think you can get a first baseman that can hit later in the draft, or you can sign a free agent that's a first baseman that can hit. Like I just when all the value is tied in a couple tools, it makes it very risky to pick someone like that because they have to hit on those one or two tools to provide any value to an organization at the major league level in the future. Whereas if you take a middle infielder or a center fielder, he can still provide you great defense, rack up defensive runs saved, maybe steal some bases because he probably has some speed. Like there's other areas that they can give you value, but a first baseman, typically bigger guys, whether they play good defense or not, maybe doesn't always really matter. All their values tied in their bat. And if they don't hit, you're stuck with a first baseman who can't hit, which we've seen with the Brewers. If you don't have a first baseman who can't hit, there's no value there. Yeah, the Brewers haven't really had a first base, baseman that can hit since Prince Fielder. <laughs> Rudy Tellez yeah. had a couple flashes, but I think they maximized him. Daniel Vogelbach had some flashes. They maximized him and let him go. I think they've kept Tellez around one year too long with that. And the thing the Brewers are good at is maximizing the guys where they're here. But now I think they're starting to uh, keep guys around a little too long, and we're seeing that with Rowdy Tellez. Looking at the Brewers organization, I know you don't necessarily draft on need because if you draft by need, you're reaching for people. Where mm-hmm. do you think the Brewers' biggest need is in this year's draft? I know you mentioned they haven't taken a pitcher in the first round since Ethan Small, who has who's to me looks like he's just going to be just another guy, maybe a bullpen depth down the road. But what position do you see the Brewers having the biggest need on? I think if we're looking at their organization in general and even past major league teams in the last five or so years, the corner infield spots have been spots that they have struggled to fill third base, especially for a long time with the consistent guy year after year, the Brewers really haven't had a consistent first baseman since Prince Fielder. And part of it has to do with, they don't take those guys early. And some of the guys they do take have question marks, a Lucas Ursag had question marks coming into pro ball. Keston Hero was a second baseman, but he really didn't fit at second base. First base, he was too short. Like So the Brewers really haven't drafted third and first baseman early on in the draft, and the guys they have taken after the first round really haven't developed and panned out. I think those are two areas, just looking at the organization, where they lack talent from top to bottom. So – Again, like you said, you don't draft for need in the Major League Baseball draft because you never know how it's going to pan out. And worst-case scenario, you have a position that's extremely deep, and then you can trade from it. So most teams tend to draft based on their board and who they have highest. Signability comes into that for sure. But looking at the Brewers, corner infielders are an area they could upgrade on in this year's draft or moving forward. Well, I want to say thank you so much for coming on uh, the show. I appreciate you coming on. Before I have you uh, quickly 
talk about where people can find your work before I do let the show go. I do want to give a shout out to a local business here in Racine, Wisconsin, where I'm located. For those watching and listening, uh, Kebab and Grill. They're on Washington Avenue in Racine. Uh, grab dinner quickly there before the show here tonight. And incredible customer service. And it's Pakistani food, um, which is really good as well. Pakistani and Indian food. So if you're in the Racine area, check them out. I do highly recommend them. Uh, no, they're not a sponsor of the show, but I do try to shop and buy local any chance I get, and they're definitely high on my list to go to. But again, thank you for coming on to the show. If you want to let the viewers and listeners know where they can uh, quickly find your work. Sure. So you can find my work at baseballprospectjournal.com. I've interviewed and written detailed stories on 85 of the top prospects in this year's class. So definitely have a lot of uh, detail on all the top guys, potentially guys the Brewers are looking at too. All the guys we've talked about for the most part I've interviewed. So feel free to go to baseballprospectjournal.com, read those stories, get ready for the draft. Follow me on Twitter at Danzelinski3. I'll definitely be tweeting out during the draft and more than willing to answer your questions as well. So when does uh, 2024 start? Does that start um, as soon as the, this year's draft's over? Or do you give yourself a few hours before you dive back in? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> so usually usually I get top 10, 20 lists up for each college and high school level. Usually the second day of that previous draft, so like on Monday. But I actually posted my first draft profile last week of a guy so I guess kind of the 2024 drafts already started, but it'll definitely get kicking, get picking up here over the next week or two. I'll take a little time off, but then with the summer, um, summer baseball, there's always guys to be watched and interviewed. So yeah, definitely we'll be getting on 2024 here quickly. Yeah, you got to get up to, uh, I think it's uh, the Chinooks have the Chinooks. council, the council yep. kids in there. Kind of talk to them a little bit. They don't have the same batting sense as their dad, do they? <laughs> no, but they're very they're very similar players to their dad, where they're not very flashy, but they're very skilled and talented, and quietly are extremely talented. Especially, I watched the younger one a lot more. He's going to Michigan, Jack Council, and yeah, he's an extremely talented player who's probably the sec. He was the second best player on a Whitefish Bay team that won the state title this year. And the best player on that team is J.D. Dix, who's one of the top guys in the 2024 draft class. Okay. Well, like I said, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, definitely want to make this a yearly thing here. We talk uh, ba baseball draft. The baseball draft may not be as, uh, quote-unquote, sexy as the NFL draft, but it's still fun, still fun to, to follow, still fun to watch. I'm getting more into – the baseball draft as well as as much as I can. So, you know, hopefully we can make, as I said, make this more of a yearly, a yearly thing as long as I'm have a platform that I'm talking sports. <laughs> De definitely always enjoyed Evan. We go way back and yeah, always have fun talking sports with you. That we do. So thank you so much for watching, for listening. I will be back at it next week, talking some Milwaukee bucks, uh, previewing NFL training camps, which will be kicking off very shortly here. And with that, have a good rest of your week. I will get at you uh, next week.